0: So excited! I, I can't wait for today. Uh, I uh, came here today, just sensing that this is the word for today. This is something that I, I've seen around us. It's something that I've just sensed going on in a lot of people's lives. And honestly, the road to get here to today has been a difficult one. We uh, traveled to Texas this week to get to meet our brand new nephew, who's a couple months old. So that was a lot of fun. And then my father-in-law was awarded an award at uh, his alma mater, and so we went to support him. And so flying back yesterday, as you can imagine, is pretty interesting. We were supposed to get back at like 6 last night, but instead I think I got in bed at about 1 a.m. or so. And so with all the weather and stuff, it's just been a challenge to get here. But anytime there's a challenge, I'm like, man, that's even more recognition that I think this is an important word for today, And so if you want to dive in, if you have a Bible, if you have an app, I'm going to invite you to follow along. Uh, but we're going to be in John chapter 11 today. And if you've got something to write on, something to write with, I'll, I'll invite you to write down a couple of principles today. Because here's the big idea. When it comes to Easter, there's actually more than one kind of death. Let's think about it. Obviously, when we think about death, we think about physical death. But the truth is, there's other kinds of death. And what I found when it comes to this Easter season, there's a lot of death that goes on. And what I mean by that is Easter is such a big deal. In fact, over the last couple of weeks, we've been in the series called Glorious Day. On week one, Pastor Chuck used that phrase, Hosanna to teach us that it's actually can be a prayer. In the Old Testament, it was like, God, would you help us? God, would you help us? Would you send the anointed one? Would you send the Messiah? God, help, help, help. And then in the New Testament, that prayer shifts a little bit to say thank you for sending the Messiah. So that was week one. Then last week we came back and said, what would happen if we were like those four guys that picked up a mat and helped bring their friend that had no help and no hope to come to Jesus? And we said, what would happen if we did that? Well, today I want to talk about sort of the emotions that could keep us from experiencing Easter this season that honestly, one of the things that I'm most afraid of in my own life is that I would get to the other side of Easter and would have missed it. That I would get to the other side of Easter and been so busy and so stressed out and so running, 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 running that I would miss celebrating this significant, this glorious day that God became man and he beat death so that we could be forgiven. And so when I say there's more than one kind of death, what I mean is there are some emotions that if we're not careful, we'll actually kill Easter in each of our lives. It'll lose its significance. It'll lose its impact. It'll lose the weight of it. And so if you've got something to write on, something to write with, I wanna talk about these three things that kill Easter. And the first one's number one, if you're a note taker and you wanna write this down, the number one death that can kill Easter is what I call the death of delay. The death of delay. Now in John chapter 11, this is a story about delays. In John chapter 11, in fact, let me read you the couple of verses just to set it up. But in John chapter 11, starting in verse one, it says, now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany. Now, if you've been around church, chances are you've heard of, of Lazarus. Maybe even if you haven't been to church, you've heard of him, but he's a friend of Jesus. He's somebody that Jesus knew well, and he knew his two sisters, Mary and Martha. And so they send word to Jesus. Listen to what it says. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and his sister Martha, it was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent word to Jesus saying, Lord, he who you love is ill. And so there's this friend of Jesus that's sick. There's this friend of Jesus that is not well. And so the two sisters of this friend send word to Jesus, say, Jesus, could you show up? Hey, Jesus, could you come here? Hey, Jesus, could you come and, and, and make your friend well again? It seems like an obvious question. It seems like an easy request. Hey, Jesus, you know him. You spent time with him. You've hung out in our house. You've had meals with us. Uh, uh, I've anointed your feet. You know who we are. Could you show up and do it only you can do? Now, chances are you've had a moment like that. Chances are there's been some moment in your life when you ask God, God, if you could do anything, would you do this for me? God, if you could do anything, would you show up? Would you put my broken marriage back together? Would you take this job that's off the rails and put it back on on, on track again? This child that's been wayward, would you bring them back? Chances are there's been a moment where you've had what I call a Lazarus moment, where it seems like the only answer is for Jesus to show up. But what happens in John chapter 11, as Jesus waits a little while, he's on another mission, and while he's waiting, Lazarus actually dies. And Mary and Martha experience death in an emotional way. Death number one is the death of delay. What I mean by that is in the middle of this moment, the discouragement and the doubt and this idea of being offended at God ends up happening and they get ticked off. Let me fast forward a little bit down to verse 20. Here's what it says. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, so the gap here is that Jesus waited several days. In fact, Jesus told the disciples during this season of waiting, hey, we need to go back because my friend Lazarus is asleep, and the disciples don't understand that he's using the word sleep figuratively. They think that Lazarus is doing what I'm going to do this afternoon, just having a deep nap, right? But uh, anybody else like Sunday afternoon naps, especially rainy Sunday? So they're they're thinking, what's the big deal? And Jesus is like, no, 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 I mean he's actually dead. And so they finally start traveling back, and so finally, uh, days later, Jesus shows up up and it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him and Mary remained seated at the house. And Martha said to Jesus, look at this phrase, if you had been here. Sometimes when we read scripture, we forget the emotion, but can you imagine this moment Her brother is now dead. The one that they're close friends with, Jesus, could have uh, healed him. Jesus could have made him well. He waited. Now he shows up, and Martha gets a little bit sassy. I don't know if she's a redhead or not. I'm just wondering, but she gets a little bit, yeah, she gets a little bit fired up. And I don't know if Laura's in the service or not. My wife's a ginger, so I better be careful. But she says to Jesus, if you had been here— The reason why I call this the death of delay, because the emotion that comes out of this kind of death is this idea of being offended at God. You could be in the middle of a delay and get so ticked off at Jesus that you miss this Easter season. If you would have been here. If you would have shown up. Now, what she doesn't know is Jesus has already said in John chapter 11, he says, the reason why I've delayed is so that the son of God may be glorified. She doesn't know that. She assumes she has all of the facts. She assumes that Jesus knew the need, that Jesus could have met the need, that Jesus chose not to meet the need. And so now she's like, if you would have shown up, this would have been different. She is offended at Jesus himself. And now I I don't wanna downplay anything that's happening in this room, I want to acknowledge that there's some really difficult things going on in this place. In a room this size, with this many people watching online, there's a lot of heavy stuff. There's people that got a diagnosis this week that they were not expecting. There's people (laughs) that, that, that thought they were celebrating one thing and ended up mourning something else. There's people that found out that that position that they've worked really hard at has been eliminated. So I, I, I don't want to discount that and I don't, I don't want to gloss over it, but I do want to acknowledge that when we think Jesus should have shown up in our own time frame, that we don't always know the whole story. We don't always know what God knows. We, what happens when something like this happens in our life we get so preoccupied with whatever that thing is. For them, it's the death of their brother. For you, it may be the death of a dream. For you, it may be the death of a relationship. For you, it may be the death of a loved one. It, it, it could be so many different things, but what happens is just like them, if we're not careful, we get so preoccupied. We get so focused with that unmet need, that, that death issue in our life that we get blinders where we can't see anything else that's going on. All we can see is this unmet need, and in that moment, if we're not careful, we get offended, and we think we know the whole story when the truth is we don't know what else is going to happen. One way to say it is this, is that God's delays are not necessarily his denials. Just because he hasn't shown up yet doesn't mean that he's not going to. Just because something didn't turn out the way that we thought it should doesn't mean that he's not at work because honestly in the middle of some of the delays, here's what I've learned in my own life, that God is far more concerned with who we're becoming, than what we're doing. In other words, in the season of the wait, in the season of the delay, God's often working on the inside of us. But again, if I get offended, again if I get ticked off at God, I'll short circuit that process. Instead of saying I want to become the man that God wants me to be, the woman that God wants you to be, uh, instead of saying I, I, I want to focus on my character and who I'm becoming, when when I get offended at God, I take matters into my own hands. I'm like, God, if you're not going to answer that prayer, then I'm going to take it on myself. God, if you're not going to give me the mate that I've been praying for, I'm just going to go out and I'm gonna I'm gonna find somebody on my own. And I'm gonna I'm gonna live however I want to because obviously you don't care. You're not going to meet my needs so I'm going to go and meet it myself and I've seen people take relationships into their own hands and it ends up blowing up in their life I see it in the work world somebody starts out there like God I want to honor you with my job God I want to honor you with my job God I want to trust you trust you trust you and then the promotions don't come and then it seems like people are, are getting the credit that you deserve and somewhere along the way God if you're not going to show up I'm going to handle it myself so you start cutting corners you start looking out for yourself instead of what's best for the organization. And it's a kind of death. It's the death of delay where we get offended at God, the second kind of death that comes right out of this passage that Mary and Martha are, and I just to remind you that God's delay is not necessarily a denial. My, my encouragement would be, is if you're in a season of delay right now, to focus twice as much on your character than on your competence. Focus twice as hard on who you're becoming than what you're doing to say, I don't understand it, I don't know the whole story, I don't know what Jesus is up to, but I'm trusting that God is still working on me. So that's the death of delay. The second kind of death is number two, the death of discouragement. It's the death of discouragement. The death of discouragement has this mentality of, well, if Jesus isn't going to show up, then it doesn't matter what I do. If Jesus isn't going to answer this prayer my way and my time, then obviously this stuff doesn't matter. And so listen to this. Look back at verse 20. There's a little phrase that I find so fascinating. I don't know if you saw it when I read it a minute ago, but in verse 20, it says, so when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out and met him. Some of y'all have that personality. Well, I'm gonna go meet him. (laughs) Didn't you see my my text? Didn't you see my Facebook update? Hello, where were you? Right, so some of us are wired that way, but look at the way Mary responds. So when Martha heard, she went out and met him, but Mary, do you see this phrase? But Mary remained in the house, It's almost like she's like, what's the use? Now Lazarus is dead. In fact, the Bible is clear to say that he's been dead for four days. So they're like, Jesus, why why would you even show up now? He's been dead. He's not just sort of dead, he's dead dead. He's been in the grave for four, he's been in the tomb for four days. Now what's interesting is in their culture, this is not something God ever said. This is not something that's like biblical, but it's just something their culture believed. Their culture believed that when somebody died, their spirit hung out for a few days. Again, it's not in the Bible. It's not something God ever said, but it's, it, it was a common belief in their day that when somebody died, their spirit hung out for a couple of days. So they actually believe that the spirit would hang out for three days. That's what they believe. They believe the spirit would hang out for three days. So. Maybe there's this mentality, Jesus, if you showed up on day one, maybe there's still hope. Jesus, if you showed up on day two, maybe there's still hope. If you showed up on day three, you're cutting it close, but there's still hope. So it's as if she's saying, look, it's it's too late. It's day four. His spirit is gone. So the sister, Mary, who's sitting there, she hears that Jesus has finally shown up and she stays seated in the house. It says if her mentality is whatever, it's not a big deal, why even bother? If he didn't show up before he died, then why should I go out and see him? And in the middle of that moment, hope was dying inside of her. And that's where some of us are living. Some of us used to be hopeful people. We used to be optimistic. We used to believe the best. We used to assume, man, things are going to work out. But somewhere along the way, life knocks that out of a lot of people. Instead of being hopeful, we end up hopeless. We end up skeptics. We end up cynics. We, we, we end up fearing everything and questioning everything. And no matter uh, what the Bible says about God, and no matter what we've experienced through stories like Aaron and Sabina, no, no, no matter, and the Buchanans, no, mat- no matter what we've seen, we begin to think, yeah, but it's not going to work out. And I'm telling you, when hope is gone, everything's gone. You can live for days without food. You can live for days without water. You can live a few minutes without air. But I'm telling you, you can't live a full life without hope. And so Mary hangs out and Jesus shows up. And here's what I think is so interesting when it comes to discouragement is we want something and we assume what we want is all there is. But Jesus sees the big picture. What did Mary want? She wanted her sick brother to be made well before he died. What did Martha want? She wanted her sick brother to be made well. What they wanted is somebody that was sick to be made well when Jesus wanted somebody that was dead to be brought back to life. See, a lot of times we get this tunnel vision and we think there's no way God's going to show up. And God, why didn't you show up? And in the middle of that moment, they wanted something sort of small and Jesus did something really big. And here's what I found when it comes to the death of discouragement is that if God always met our expectations, if God always did exactly what we asked him to do, if God always met our expectations, he would never have the opportunity to exceed them. And so the reminder this morning is just because he hasn't done it yet doesn't mean that he's not going to. Just because it seems dark now doesn't mean that it's going to be dark forever. Just because that struggle is real in this moment doesn't mean that that's all there's going to be because Jesus knows. And in fact, Jesus says to them, he gets angry. This is so fascinating. I'd encourage you to read all of John 11 because I can't dive into it all this morning. But in John chapter 11, Jesus gets frustrated. He gets mad. He's like, why are y'all questioning me? He says, you know, he's going to live again. His sister assumes Jesus is talking about somewhere out in the future. And Jesus says this to her. He says, I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. If you don't know what resurrection is, resurrection is bringing something dead back to life. And Jesus is saying, look, resurrecting is not something that I do, resurrecting is something that I am. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the one that is able to bring somebody that's dead back to life. That's huge. That's way more than they ever imagined. That's way more than they ever expected. And I'm telling you so often in the middle of our moment because of delay, we get angry at God and offended. Because of discouragement, we begin to say, well, what's the use and in the middle of that moment, Jesus shows up in verse 39 and says, take away the stone. They try to talk about it, but it. Jesus, what are you talking about? Take away the stone. He's been dead for four days. He's gonna smell. And Jesus says, take away the stone. He wants to show up in whatever your death is today. The death of delay, the death of discouragement. But the third one is the death that's caused by doubt. Mary and Martha, if you were to quiz them before the death of Lazarus, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Of course we believe in Jesus. Do you think Jesus is able to do anything? Absolutely. Well, have you done anything that proves that? Of course I have. uh, There was a time that Jesus was hanging out with some Pharisees, and I showed up. I heard he was there, and I wanted to worship him. So I took the most expensive thing I had, this perfume, and I broke the jar open, and I poured it on his feet and anointed his feet. And I wiped them down with my hair saying, you're the one, you're the one, you're the one. But now in John chapter 11, now in John chapter 11, she's like, if you had been here, if you'd been here, if you'd been here, if you'd been here, in the middle of this real life experience, doubt begins to rear its ugly head. In the middle of doubt, you begin to question everything that you've ever believed. In the middle of doubt, everything seems darker and it feels like a dungeon. And I don't know if you're there now, but there's some people that you've seen God work in the past, or you've heard about God working in the past. And yet this death that's happening is gonna keep you from experiencing Easter. So Jesus shows up. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. I love this one little phrase that Martha says to Jesus. She's angry. She's broken. She's empty. And in verse 22, there's this one little phrase that I want you to carry with you this week. She says, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. She's angry, she's bitter, she's disappointed, she's discouraged, she's like, where have you been? But still in that moment, there's enough belief for her to say, even now, even now. Even now, I know that you're still able. So Jesus goes out to the tomb. He says, remove the stone. They're like, Jesus, he's been dead for four days. It's going to stink. And in that moment, he calls out in a loud voice and says, Lazarus, come forth. And in that moment, their dead brother comes to life, even now. Even now. Some of us, we need that kind of moment this week. I mean, we're going to miss Easter. We're going to think it's just a Sunday. We're going to think it's just another thing that we do with the family. We're going to think it's just about the fun stuff that we do with the kids. All that's great. But I'm telling you, the most important thing that could happen is for us to have an even now moment in our lives that thing that we've been praying for, that thing that seems like God hasn't shown up, that thing that seems like it's too broken, too far gone, too, too done, that we would say, just like she said, but God, I believe that even now you could do something great. Do you believe that? One of the things that this week could do in our lives, is to say I'm going to do what Mary and Martha did. Instead of running from Jesus, I'm going to go to him. Instead of being so discouraged and so doubtful and so offended at him that I walk away, I'm going to go to him and I'm going to tell him exactly what's going on in my life. And instead of running from him, I'm going to run to him. And so I don't know what that is for you. I don't I don't know if these three deaths line up with your life. I don't know if any of you are in the middle of a delay and you think, man, God's delay is his denial. God's not ever gonna show up. For some of you, you you may be in the discouragement where you think, man, if he would have been here, it could have been different. Or some of you are wrestling with doubts, what C.S. Lewis called the dark night of the soul, where you've known the truth, you've experienced the truth. And yet in this moment, you feel locked up in this dungeon. My prayer for you and for me personally, is that instead of allowing these deaths to keep us from experiencing Easter, that these deaths would set us up to celebrate the life that only Jesus can bring. And so what I wanna do for us this morning is I wanna pray for us and I wanna pray for you. I wanna pray for what God's doing in your heart And I want you just to be God-level honest with God this morning. As I pray out loud, you can pray silently. You can pray in your head, in your heart. And I want you to bring whatever that death issue is for you. For them, it's Lazarus. For you, it may be a job. It may be a relationship. It may be pride. It may be some secret hidden sin. It, 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 It could be so many things. But would you allow this to be a day that as we launch into Easter week, would you allow this to be a week That even if it's just for a moment, you would suspend disbelief, you would suspend the judgment and the anger, even if it's just for a season, to say as best as I can, I'm going to live every day this week with an even now heartbeat. Would you bow your heads for a moment? Would you close your eyes? As we pray, I'd love to pray specifically for what God is up doing in your life. Is there anybody this morning that would just say, Bobby, as you pray, pray for me, because as you talked about the death of delay, that's where I'm at. I I thought Jesus would have answered this prayer by now, but he hasn't answered it yet. And it just seems like it's been a long time. It seems like it's been a journey. It seems like it's never gonna work out. Uh, I'm in the middle of this delay, would you pray for me? If that's you and you'd allow me to do that, would you just quietly, Just simply raise your hand straight up in the air, straight up in the air, you're like, Bobby, would you pray for me? I feel like I'm in the middle of a delay.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Wow. You can put your hands down. Let me ask a second question. Is there anybody that'd say, Bobby, the death that I'm wrestling with is the death of discouragement. It seems like it's too late. It seems like what's done is done. And you sort of have that mentality that the sister had of why even bother showing up? So what, he's here, it's too late. If that's you and you'd allow me to pray for you, would you do the same thing? Just slip your hands straight up in the air, straight up in the air. Would you pray for me in my discouragement? Yeah. Yeah, you can put your hands down. One last question. Is there anybody today that would just say, Bobby, pray for me because doubt is the death I'm wrestling with. I'm questioning things I never thought I'd question. I I feel like God's a million miles away. And I'm wrestling with some real doubt. And you just be honest and you say, Bobby, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you do the same thing? Just hold up your hand real high, real high so I know how to pray for you. Even if you're watching online, feel free to comment below or if you want to drop us an email at prayer at sugarhillchurch.com, prayer at sugarhillchurch.com. What I want to do is I want to pray for us. And as I'm praying out loud, I'm going to invite you to pray in your head and your heart. But one of the things that happens when people die emotionally to Jesus is a lot of times they run from him, they grow silent to him, and they're actually running from the one that could rescue them. Because again, we think our timing is best. We don't know the bigger picture. We don't know, they didn't know, Mary and Martha, they did not know that because her brother died and then was brought back to life, resuscitated by Jesus himself, that by the end of John 11, hundreds of people put their faith in Jesus. And since that time, thousands of people have come to Jesus. And years later, this brother would become one of the leaders of the early church. He's like, I was dead, I was brought back to life. But in the middle of the delay, in the middle of the discouragement, in the middle of the doubt, it feels so final. But the big picture is when God feels so far away, he's actually much nearer than you could imagine. And that when things seem the darkest, honestly, that's the perfect setup for God to do a miracle. Heavenly Father, as I pray, I pray for my friends today. And I know, I, I know there's so many heavy things going on in this room. And We know that you're not shocked by it. You're not unaware. I thank you that in this passage, you wept. And I believe even in this moment, your heart breaks for the things that are breaking our heart. God, would you meet us at our point of need? And would you help us to have an even now mentality? Help us to believe that even now you can still do something great, that even now you're still at work. As I pray out loud, you can pray silently. Would you say, Jesus, would you help me to live even now? If you don't know him personally, you saw in the baptisms the powerful story of so many folks that said yes to him. Would you just ask him, Jesus, would you step out of heaven and step into my heart? Would you forgive me of my sins and give me a brand new start? Would you help me to live for you? And for the believers in the house and believers watching online, would you say, dear Jesus, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. I trust, but I distrust at the same time. Jesus, would you take my doubt, my discouragement? Would you take the delays? and help me to grow closer to you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. As we continue worshiping, I'm gonna invite you to do something. Right here at this altar, this this area of prayer, we have these nails. There's nothing magical about these nails. There's nothing, nothing different other than the picture that Friday's coming. The reason why we call Good Friday good is because Jesus died on the cross for my sins, for your sins, for the sins of the world. And part of this idea of living with this even now mentality, this even now posture, this hope, this mindset, is I wanna invite you in just a moment to come and take one of these nails and. Maybe you want to keep it in your pocket. Maybe you want to put it on your desk, your dashboard, someplace that you can see it this week. But every day that you see it, would you allow it to be a reminder to ground you to say, even now, even if you don't believe any of this, would you suspend judgment this week and say, I'm going to live as if even now, even now, even now, even now, God is still able. God is still at work. God is working even when I don't see him. God is still at work even in the delays. God's not scared of my discouragement. God's not offended by my doubts. God is still able. And so I'm going to invite you, would you stand very quietly, very reverently. And as the team begins to lead us, I'm going to invite you to come and grab one of these nails. And then when you return to your seat, let's lift up this great truth this morning. When you take this back to your seat to hold this. And as we sing this to say, God, you are able. God, you're able to bring dead things back to life.
1: Lift it up defeated the
0: back Friday night at 7pm in this room for a good Friday gathering the reason is I think for too long we've treated the cross as a standalone event we think it's just a thing that we celebrate one time a year and it, we, we don't see the significance but the truth is what we'll learn Friday night is how this nail ties everything together that the cross wasn't a standalone event, the cross wasn't plan B, the cross wasn't everything spun out of control, but it's actually the central part of a story that started thousands of years ago, and it impacts our lives today. That this nail that represents this cross is at the center of a line that started a long time ago that came all the way up to the cross and extends all the way into the future. And there's something significant about connecting our lives to this God who's able. I love how Pastor Chuck at the end of our gathering sends us out with a blessing, because if there ought to be a place where there ought to be hope, I think it's here. I think in the church where we're celebrating a risen Christ. I love Chuck's blessing, but this cross or the symbol of the cross reminds me of a blessing that goes back a couple of thousand years. In the early church around three, 400 AD, the, the church leaders of the day would send the congregation out with a blessing as well, but their blessing sounded a little bit different. In fact, the preacher type would take his fingers and he would cross them. Not because what he was about to say was about to be a lie or something, but because when you cross your fingers a certain way, it in some ways creates the shape of the cross. And so in Latin, and again, I don't know Latin. I'm from Mississippi, y'all know that. So I'm gonna butcher this. But my Mississippi translation or my pronunciation of the way that they would say it is this preacher would get to the end of the service and he'd hold up the symbol of the cross in his hands and he'd say, Christus Victor, Christus Victor. And he'd get louder and louder. It would like reverberate through those ancient buildings. Christus Victor, Christus Victor, Christus Victor. And it was their way of saying may the cross of Christ, may this picture that God's able to do anything with the work of the cross have victory in your life. And if there's anything that I could want for you today, that's what I want for you, is whatever the doubt is, whatever the discouragement is, whatever the delay is you're facing, that you would carry this with you this week, that you'd look at this through this week. In fact, you'd bring it back Friday night for the culmination of this symbol, and that the work of the cross and the work of our Christ would have victory in your life this week. God bless you, we love you. I hope you have a great rest of your Sunday and as we walk to the glorious day. Have a great day,
1: we'll see you soon.